Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for tuning in. There is just a lot of news in the state of Michigan. And my go-to when that happens is James David Dixon. He's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. And he joins us. James, how are you? Real good, Tony. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get after it right now. When it comes to the UAW strike, what's the latest? It has only continued to expand. It has expanded this week. It expanded again last week. So now, I believe it was two weeks ago, it expanded to one of Ford Motor Company's most profitable facilities, Kentucky Truck. Then this latest one, it went to one of Stellantis's most profitable facilities, And so this theory behind the stand-up strike in 2023 is that you don't send out 150,000 people on strike at the same time. You pick and choose, you know, basically the facilities that will hurt the automakers the most, and you put them on strike. So this does two things. It puts pressure on the automaker, but it also preserves the strike fund because a lot of those workers still are showing up. The problem that becomes, Tony, is... If you're one of, you know, so there's, let's say, 40,000 workers on strike, 150,000 members. You're one-fourth of the union of the auto workers, and you're making 100% of the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That's not going to sit well, nor is it sustainable. You got the leadership making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you're making $500 a week. You know, what's the ripple down effect of the strike and of the economy as, you know, we get into this thing? Bill Ford, you know, the executive chairman of Ford, a Ford heir, he said that right now he's the person who's been in the auto industry the longest, the leader who's been in it the longest. And he warned that if this strike were to go on much longer, it would actually end up affecting supply chains, not just at Ford, but across, you know, the economy. And so if this strike starts to look like a general strike, that could be a very bad thing. I mean, I don't think we realize how fragile our way of life is and how much it is at risk when working people aren't working. James, I heard an interesting argument about the strike. The union obviously wants more money. There are profits being made by the big three. And so they want more money. Perhaps they're asking for more than they should receive. I'm not going to judge that, but I thought it was interesting because I brought up to someone I was talking with that the union had last year, when all was said and done, made almost 300K. And a union member said, yeah, well, we voted on that. We get to decide. Raises aren't decided on what the head of the big three make, which is millions of dollars, isn't voted on. You know, I just kind of wanted to get your take on that because the gist is the union wants a four-day work week. I'm not sure they were hoping to get that. You have to have a negotiating tactic. I think that was the skunk in the deal. Right, right. They want more money. I think they were going to get more money, probably a lot more than they initially thought, even though they asked for. So where do we stand with this from your perspective, what you're seeing and hearing? Well, if I'm a UAW member, I have to ask, what's the exit strategy right now? Because now we're approaching a month and a half. And before long, it's going to be two months. And look, not everyone's been on strike that whole time. But there will be people soon who've been out for two whole months making $500 a week. And so not only do you have the rest of the 
auto workers in the union are working, the leadership making their mm. full salaries. There's actually about 340,000 UAW mm. members overall. About 100,000 of them, there was a great NPR piece about this, work on college campuses. So the average worker on strike, their fate is largely disconnected from the health of the union overall. And I think that's what workers have to understand. It's not we're taking the hit. There's nothing solidarity about this. There's a small group of workers taking the hit, and there's a lot of people who are living their normal lives right now. James, I'm sure you know that back in the day, if there was a strike and a company brought in scabs, if you will, oh yeah, it could get very, very violent. Physical. And it, right. And it got me to wondering, why don't they just bring in other people and train them and just move on? Well, the funny thing is, you know, essentially when companies move their production to the Mexico's and China of the world, which are not UAW covered, that's the equivalent of bringing in scabs. And so when I talk about how fragile the whole arrangement is, that's something we have to account for. In Bill Ford's speech, he talked about personal values being part of why Ford wants to be so America-centric, why it has the most UAW members out of any of the automakers, which is to say that if someone else were making that decision and their personal values were different, perhaps if they were just looking at this purely through a business lens, they already would have offshored most of that manufacturing. So this is fragile. And if you send the, the message that the American worker is too expensive, that is a bleak future. James, when we come back, I want to talk about China and China interests buying land in the state of Michigan and where we are with that story. James David Dixon is the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Hi, this is Steve Claver. Looking for high-quality office furniture? Stop by DBI's new outlet store at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing. We've got new and used office furniture at discount prices. Browse our 5,000-square-foot outlet for seating, desks, tables, files, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Look us up at dbis.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with James David Dixon from the Michigan Capital Confidential. So, James, you and I, it seems like for a year, if not more, have been talking about this process where China and Chinese interests are buying land, not only in the state of Michigan, but throughout our country. And there's a lot of problems with that, that people are really starting to discover not only buying land near military bases, but buying up farms and farmland and our food sources and Chinese have an interest in that. What's the latest with this story? Well, I mean, Ford, their project in Marshall, Blue Oval Battery Park, that's going to be a $3.5 billion facility. About half of that comes from the Michigan taxpayer, $1.7 billion through various tax abatements, subsidies, giveaways, that kind of thing. 
And Blue Oval Battery Park is a partnership between Ford and a company named CATL. CATL is a Chinese company. They're also the biggest, they claim to be the biggest, EV battery manufacturer on earth. And so Ford has said that that project is on pause. But what I find interesting is the very next day after the pause, the board that gives out corporate welfare in Michigan, the strategic fund, they approved $65 million in infrastructure for that site. Just today, in fact, the Marshall Area Economic Development Alliance, they sent out a note saying, hey, we just found the contractors for the water and the wastewater infrastructure improvements. So Ford says the project's on pause, but everyone in the know is acting like it will resume after the UAW strike. Here's a problem that Ford's going to have, though, if it were to resume. CEO Jim Farley has gotten several letters, I believe it's four letters at this point, from different congressional committees asking, one, about you know the national security implications of this partnership, but also why Ford seems to be taking kind of a backseat role. You know, we all know Ford is a powerhouse. Why is it taking a backseat to a foreign company? And so I haven't seen that Ford has responded to those, but you know, these kind of congressional probes don't make life any easier for a company like that. You know, I believe we just saw, I forget which state, but a state in the South just basically said Chinese companies can't buy land anymore. And so I think that there is an awareness, especially right now, that China is an adversarial country. It's not like Great Britain buying land. All foreign, you know, we don't have the same relationships with everybody. It is more worrying if China does it than someone else. I do think that's becoming the consensus. There are states like Arkansas, which has a new governor, Governor Huckabee, and the state of Arkansas has forbid Chinese interest from that's the state, Arkansas. Yeah, from buying any land in their state. And I keep wondering, don't people here in Michigan, don't our politicians understand the dangers of what's going on and what's motivating this? Is it money? Are they getting donations to their campaign funds? Why aren't we taking a stronger look at this? You know, I don't see that there is any kind of great institutional knowledge in Michigan politics. I don't see people who are overly aware of what happened a decade or two decades or three decades ago in Michigan. They don't know what has happened before, and they don't really care much about what's happening next. What I see is a great deal of interest in, can I get another positive headline? I mean, the idea that battery plants are going to be some driver for the Michigan economy as a whole to the tune of $1.7 billion on a single project, when you say it out loud, it's laughable. But too much of the media treats this as if it's true, as if that's what's going to happen, is that this plant in Marshall with 2,500 jobs that average $45,000 a year is going to be the savior of us all. It is incredibly hard to believe. So when you factor in how little Michigan benefits from such things and how very much it could cost us if these fears come true, I don't see that there are people in Lansing who are viewing this with sober eyes. So what's the driving force behind this? Is it a push from Governor Whitmer? Is it a push from the Democrats who own both legislatures here in our state? They can't be that stupid, can they? I will note that last year, Michigan entered a partnership with the World Economic Forum for the U.S. Center for Advanced Manufacturing. 
Okay, it's based out of Automation Alley in Troy. Now, again, say it out loud. It sounds ridiculous. A nonprofit based in Sweden or Switzerland or one of those European countries, I forget which, a nonprofit, a nonprofit is going to teach Detroit how to do advanced manufacturing. The idea defies logic. It's ridiculous on its face. And so ever since that partnership happened, we've been hearing about these weird things, you know, Goshen wants to set up. Now this thing with the Ford, it all seems very force-fed and very like centrally planned. And it seems to be driven actually by the people who run the state. They're not just letting it happen. They're welcoming in these companies and these nonprofits with open arms. We need to follow the money and we need to start digging into that more. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with James David Dixon, who is the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. One more question we'll have when we come back from break. I want to talk a little bit about Lenawee County, which bought some property for one number and it's not worth nearly the number they thought. We'll do that next here on Media Business. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. James, tell us a little bit about Lenawee County when they're learning that some property they bought isn't worth what they thought it was worth. Tell us about the Phoenix Project. So, Tony, this is one of those cautionary tales about why we don't want our government officials trying to make business deals. It is not a core competency of theirs. It is not a strength of theirs. They don't know what they're doing, simply put. So Lenawee County goes ahead and they buy these certain parcels of land for $2.3 million, thinking they're going to use it in this $90 million development called the Phoenix Project. Now, this development could not have happened but for COVID stimulus money. You know, you might say, hey, who would use COVID stimulus money to build ball fields in an athletic complex? That's what you should be asking. That's what the media doesn't ask. It's obviously a misuse. It's obviously an abuse. But the public outcry, the public response to the Phoenix Project was so poor that even the local leaders who wanted it put it on pause. And then after the election and the new year, the new Lenawee County Commission said, it's not on pause, it's dead. We're not doing the Phoenix Project. Here's the problem. That $2.3 million of land is actually worth less than a half million, 440000 So this is what happens. When you feel you need to buy a specific piece of land to make a specific project happen, that makes that land too valuable to you. Just think about you know the law of supply and demand. It's like when I was at the Detroit News. If your boss wants you to get a specific person on the record, that gives that person an outsized amount of power in your news gathering process. Because all they can do is say no, or they can hold you off, or they can do these certain things that aren't conducive to getting the information out there. And so they put too much pressure on themselves to need this land they bought 
to turn into exactly what they had envisioned. There was nothing else that it could have been. They have no other plans for it. And without it becoming a big development, now they find the land is almost worthless. James, I want to switch gear and talk about another story. As you know, the planet is divided. Our country's divided. A little bit. And here in my area, there's some division when you start talking about wind farms. I live around a lot of farms. I live around a lot of communities that want to say and what goes on in their community. And a story I saw on Capcom really caught my eye how Lansing is taking a step toward controlling wind and solar zoning. As a matter of fact, appointees from Governor Whitmer, not local officials, would have the final say in large wind and solar projects in the state of Michigan. I got to think there's going to be a lot of lawsuits coming if this goes through. One would hope. One would hope because what we're talking about is a fundamental remaking of the power dynamic between Lansing and local communities. Just like people in Lansing would say, we don't want Washington telling people in Michigan how to run our lives. People in Lenawee County and Wayne County, I live in Oakland, they don't want Lansing telling them how to run their lives or what has to happen in their communities. And so what you have here is you have a bunch of Democratic lawmakers from areas unlikely to be touched by large-scale wind and solar. They're saying that, you know, basically Governor Whitmer has these plans for Michigan to go green by 2030. And what they're finding is that local communities are a hindrance to this because they don't want big solar farms. They don't want, you know, large-scale wind projects because they're ugly and because they're not energy dense, you need a lot of windmills. You need a lot of solar panels, which dots the landscape in a negative way. So you're seeing local communities push back and say, we don't want this. And so the central planners are essentially saying, hey, it should be us in Lansing who decides this zoning on these large-scale projects, not local communities. And so they want to give that sole power to Michigan Public Service Commission, the energy regulator. Here's the problem. If you do that, those three people are all appointed by and serve at the pleasure of the governor. So you're literally empowering the governor at the expense of your local leadership. And as anyone who lived through 2020 in this state knows, Gretchen Whitmer, there's not one person among us, 10 million, who can centrally plan life for the rest of us. Certainly Gretchen Whitmer is not that person. And so anything that makes the governor's office more powerful makes us less powerful, and we should be concerned. And final question for you, James. I just wanted to get your take from just reporting around the state. It is fact that Hamas attacked Israel. It is fact that Israel has declared war on Hamas. And we have a large contingency of Arab American who, let's just say Arab Americans and folks of Arab descent who live in our state. Awesome people. But there has been an uproar at our college campuses as well as these communities in regards to what's happening in Israel. What do you see? What do you hear? Honestly, not my ministry. I don't think much about it. And I think anytime, you know, people in Michigan are talking about these global issues, it's a bit sad because, you know, our state, we're not on autopilot here. We have some serious problems. We have lawmakers who are trying to make it so that your kid's school has to administer medical marijuana to them. Public school, private school, they don't care. 
So we have Lansing trying to, you know, put its tentacles into every corner of the state and every aspect of our lives. That's what I spend most of my time worrying about. And then the tentacles from Washington coming into the state as well. So unfortunately, I don't think much about international issues. And I wish we all thought a little less about that stuff, because I think if we did, we wouldn't probably be sending as much money to Ukraine, as much money to some of these countries that we've adopted. James David Dixon is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. If you want a fair and balanced approach to what's going on here in our state, you need to make that uh, read. James, I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.